0: Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For
1: more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app.
0: All right, good morning, good morning. Isn't Jesus wonderful? He is so good. If you haven't, figured it out yet, this church is all about Jesus. My goodness, what a world mandate, great. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you so much for the ones that come up and share testimonies of what God was doing in our midst. I uh, heard of a student who got so fired up and just said, I've got to share the love of Jesus. She brought her roommate, her hallmate, and her RA on Sunday, and they all gave their lives to Jesus. So exciting. I talked, to, uh, I talked to one woman uh, from, a, from a different country who's recently given her life to Jesus. She has this wonderful vision where, where the Lord appears to her, and then he helps her forgive someone that had hurt her. I'm like, oh, that's so good. And then numerous physical healings that were going on, and then different ones of you that have come and shared with us that you were used in praying for someone for physical healing. So... I love it when the spirit's moving, and the, uh, probably the apex of our children's conference, our children's conference was rocking. I love seeing Chewbacca dancing on stage, Stormtrooper owning it. I mean, wow. And, uh, but but the, the, the high point of the children's conference, my wife is our children's pastor. She told me at one moment, uncoached, unscripted, about three dozen kids just come and get on their knees, just crying out to God. I don't know what you were doing when you were a kid. But man, that is what I dream of, our children just in love with the Lord. So thank you. I know it takes tons of work. It takes lots of finances, resources, commitment, but it's worth it to have time where people can meet with the living God. And uh, that, that's what is going to be coming on this Sunday as well, another opportunity, our Freedom Weekend. want to encourage you to come and go to that next level of living unbound with Jesus. And so that's going to be happening this week at our offices. Let's jump into our message. I'm going to cover the light topic this week of Jesus and immigration. <laughs> so you can pray for me. <laughs> and if you don't want to pray for me, I'm going to pray for myself. Lord Jesus we need you. We want your word. There is so much talk, there is so much banter, but we need the word of the living God in this hour, in our nation, and so we stand upon your truth, and we ask that you'd fill us with your love, with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Let me uh, give you a An example of why we dive into things like this. Several years ago my wife was gone for the weekend and I had the children. I decided to pick them up from school, take them on a fun outing. We went to Sonic. We were heading to a museum. As we turn around the corner I see a 20-something man walk out in the street. I could tell he's not paying attention and then to my horror I see a dump truck pull around quickly accelerating and hits him. The guy ends up on the ground mangled. And let me just tell you, the first thing I wanted to do was just turn and drive away. Why? Because I had my four children with me. I didn't want them to see that. I didn't want them to be exposed to that. But then the next thought I had was, no, as a believer, I need to run to the pain. And my kids need to see a father who's a Christian who takes care of people in the midst of their problems. And so I pulled my car over, I was the first on the scene, I locked the doors, I told the kids, guys, someone just got hit by a car, I have to go and help them. If you need anything, just put your hand on the horn and don't let go until I come back. I ran into the middle of the street, and amazingly, the man was alive. He was completely mangled, he was out of it completely. I reached out, I throw my hand on his chest, and I just start praying, in Jesus' name, the guy that hit him comes out of the truck. He's cursing. He said, I didn't mean to do it. That guy was. A... I said, It doesn't matter. Call 911 now. We got to save this guy's life. He calls 911 immediately. It was amazing how fast the police and the ambulance were there. And I was able to walk away. The guy did not die. You know, I've seen a lot of miracles. I don't think that that was one of them. But I do know that God had me there for a reason. And as I drove away, I was able to tell my kids, You know, kids, people get hurt, and us as believers, we need to respond and be the hands and feet of Jesus for them. You know, today is one of those days, if you've watched the news this week, our uh, nation has been in tumult tumult in regards to immigration. There's been so much much bickering, so much fighting, and, and you know, it's not always easy to address those things in a church, but I want to tell you, as a spiritual father and as a believer, it's our obligation to run towards the pain, and it's our obligation to interpret and say, what does God say about this? You know, there's a lot being said by the left, there's a lot being said by the right, but what we care about is, what does Jesus say? And we're doing a series called, With Jesus. You know, a lot of times we think that growing with God only affects our prayer life, or how we interact with him. But I want to tell you that when we walk with Jesus, it affects our relationship with everyone around us. And so today we want to address immigration and immigrants. And let me just start with a biblical underpinning. So point one is this. Point one is this. The people of God were immigrants. The people of God were immigrants. When you start in the Bible, you wonder about this chosen people that are called out. It starts in Genesis 12 with a guy named Abraham. And look at verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, the Lord God said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Do you know that there's times where God actually tells people to leave their country? Like immigration was God's idea. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Sometimes we think, oh, immigration, that's just a horrible thing that people have to go through. No, sometimes God's doing it in order to bless people. And now watch this next part. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples, I love it when it says that, and all peoples on earth. If you didn't catch that, it's because you're at all peoples church right now. Okay. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Do you know what? Oftentimes I find that immigrants and refugees are actually the richest in faith because they had nothing else but God. They had to completely rely on Him. And then God is actually wanting to bless people through them. Point two Jesus was an immigrant, Jesus was a refugee. You know that? Well, what does God think about immigrants and refugees? Well, he must have liked them because he made his son one. (laughs) Jesus was an immigrant. Here here we go. Matthew 2, 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. I think... uh, and, and I'm speaking to many refugees, I, I, I want to say, in this church, why do we address this? Not only is it a, a very central theme in the Bible, there's 92 verses on immigration just in the Old Testament. This is not some tertiary thought, but can I just tell you, I'm, I'm speaking to a church where we are all friends and brothers and sisters. With immigrants and refugees. I mean, they're in our, my brother in law's an immigrant. Uh, Your friends, your family members, many of you, over 20% of this church are first generation immigrants. Over 10% of this church is actually refugees. So if you just look down your row, you'll see an immigrant or a refugee. This is who we are. Jesus was an immigrant and Jesus actually had to flee his country he actually had to become a refugee and so what I want to say specifically specifically to the refugees in this room I know that there has been so much pain can I tell you that Jesus can relate to you in your pain and he can heal your pain and he can use you in the midst of your suffering point number three The greatest miracles of the Old Testament happened to immigrants. The greatest miracles in the Old Testament happened in the lives of immigrants. So the people of God grow up, and then there's a famine in their land, and they're forced to migrate into Egypt. In Egypt, they become oppressed. They were flourishing, they were growing, but then they become oppressed by a tyrannical government, Pharaoh and his government begin to oppress him, and then they have to flee as refugees, and what happens? God shows up. He parts the Red Sea. He feeds them in the desert. Can I just tell you, the history of the Bible is God's miraculous provision to immigrants and refugees. Point four, Jesus made a big deal about how we treat people from other countries and other ethnicities. Jesus made a big deal about this. We're going to camp out in this text if you turn with me in your Bibles right now to Luke chapter 10, verse 25, Luke 10:25. You can also turn on your phones, your watches, tablets, any other device, your glasses, whatever you read the Bible on. <laughs> on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So this is a religious dude He's testing Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Well, who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, and he goes on to tell this very famous story, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped off his clothes and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Then a Levite, When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. A Levite is a part of the religious group, but a Samaritan, but a Samaritan. Now the second Jesus would have said, but a Samaritan, there would have been all kinds of alarms and buzzers and fingers grating across chalkboards going on in the Jews' hearts because this was a group they did not like. This was an ethnicity that they were opposed to. And now Jesus says, But a Samaritan, they're going, Oh, what's the Samaritan going to do? If the priest avoided the Levite, the Samaritan's probably going to come and spit on him. Watch this. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. It's not a dramatic pause. I lost my place. Okay. He, <laughs> he, <laughs> what's he going to say next? He's desperately trying to find his place. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for an extra expense you may have. Watch what Jesus says. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, Uh, the one who had mercy on him? Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now watch this. Four actions that I see that the Samaritan does. First, verse 33, he saw him. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write down these actions because this is practicals for us in how we respond to people of other ethnicities first he saw him he saw him let me ask this church do we actually see the world around us like we all share the same planet but we can live in our own world have you ever noticed that Like we could just get lost in our own world and we go to our grocery store and our restaurants and we go to our school and we just are lost in our own world and we miss the rest of the world. Like our lives become super homogenous while there's a whole world around us. Jesus is saying he saw him. Do we see the people around us? Number two, it says he took pity on him. Have we become desensitized to the world's pain around us? You know, like you're driving down the road, and you see someone who just came from another country, and it's a sweet woman, and she's carrying bags of groceries in one hand and pushing a stroller in another, and then a the kid's holding on to her, and you just go, "Oh man, too bad, that's her problem. Or do we let our hearts go, oh, how is she doing? Is she making it? We see someone working a backbreaking job and, and do we look at them and just go well, that's them and this is me or do we go oh that that pain I feel that pain does that person have enough food how are they doing what's going on with their children He took pity on him when we when we see Aleppo in the news have we seen so much news that we've just shut down in self protection Or do you actually see the kid that's hurting and go, Lord, that's not right. It's a ministry of mercy. It's a ministry of compassion. Third action, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. You know, as believers, we're called to step into the pain. I I got this first aid kit, and, I, and I, asked, uh, I asked my assistant, hey, grab me a first aid kit because I want to use it as a visual illustration. And, and she got three different ones said, which one do you want to use? But you know the amazing thing? They all had a cross on it. Like the sign for first aid is a cross. Why? Because it's by his wounds we are healed. Christ died to purchase our healing and then compels us to heal others. And it was the response of Christians that started the first hospitals in the world because their heart was broken because Jesus says we should love our neighbor. And and, and you know the amazing thing is Jesus was just busting their paradigms because when I think of my neighbors, I think of Ray. Like Ray's my next door neighbor. But Jesus was saying, No, your neighbor is you're walking down a road and some guy from a different people group it just got blindsided, just got jumped. That's your neighbor. Like, your neighbor's a stranger, right? Long time ago, a lot of your parents told you never to talk to strangers, and that's the one thing you obeyed. Like, that's the only thing you obeyed from your parents, and you're still not talking to strangers. And Jesus is saying, No, your strangers are your neighbors. Don't just talk to them, bandage their wounds. Jump in there, get dirty. And so that he pours oil on them and wine. In the Bible, prophetically, let me just go prophetic for a minute. Oil symbolizes anointing, oil symbolizes prayer. We want to pray. We want to pray that God touches and moves among these other ethnicities, and among immigrants, other ethnicities than your own, among immigrants, among refugees, and then wine. What does wine symbolize in the Bible? It symbolizes blessing. We want to pray that people are uplifted. We want to pray that people receive the goodness and favor of God. I, I think this is a central part of our calling as a church and so how, how do you do it practically because you're like man th- th- this world's so big and there's so many problems you know jesus would just stop for the next person in front of him jesus just loved the next person in front of them I, I think about our moms in this room you know and and you're just trying to survive you've got kids all around you feel like a refugee yourself you're like i need i need refuge from these kids they're like Attacking me, right? <laughs> I, I, I want to tell you: as you're in the parks and you're you're seeing people from different people groups and different ethnicities, just go up and talk to them. Go up and love on them. Uh, I'm thinking about Lori Obergun. She's here on the second row. She she saw that many Syrian refugees were coming to a hotel in her area. She lives in El Cajon, and she saw that, so she said, you know what? I have some extra food. I can take it. So she just went door to door, just knocking on these hotel rooms where these Syrians have just gotten here and just say, hey, do you need some food? Wow. That's the hands of Jesus. And you know what happened? She started a relationship with a refugee family, and, and she invited them over to her house. And, and you know what? They invited... Her over to their house, and then they, Frank, her husband was like, "Man, they stuffed me! I couldn't stop! You know, they just kept stuffing me with food." How little do they have, and yet they were giving so much. You you know, the 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 every every one of us has opportunities. I I think about students in this room. You know, students. It's so easy. Your classmates. The, the people that are in your halls or on your campuses, they're from other nations. And I remember when we first started the church, and we were like, we're, we are called all peoples. We're going to share God's love with all peoples. And so one of the girls that, that started, she was she, she immediately befriended this group of Saudi Arabian students. Uh, and they all had their, their, they were all hooded. And so she was invited to one of their parties. And she's like, okay, so what a hooded Saudi Arabian women do on a party, they did a hip-hop dance. It was a hooded hip-hop dance. And, and next thing you, knows, I'm sending these pictures, and they're all just jamming out, and it opened up doors for this loving relationship with them. She got to become their friend. She got to be, share about the love of Jesus with them. I, I, I think about our business people in this room. Uh, In our last service, Raymond and Melissa Alvarez were sitting uh, right in this section. They have a number of restaurants. And I love that on their heart is to touch people in need. And so they have people applying for jobs with them. They open up their doors for people to apply to work at their restaurants. I'm believing for God to to touch the hearts of our business people in this congregation to give an opportunity for many people that know no one. For them to get a great job and for them to work hard. And I'm, I'm believing that God's going to give revelation to different ones of you business people to create businesses. I thought I'd hear more excitement in there. like God, Because here's, here's the next point. Here's the next point. It says, he put him on his donkey. Well, what, what does this mean? If you got a donkey, use it. Okay? Some of you look at your neighbor, you go, you got a donkey? You, you, use your donkey. He used his donkey, and he took care of him. What, what is it saying? It's saying use what you've got to help someone. You, you know what, what, what's, what's hard for me, and, and, and this, is, this is a challenge for me too, but here's what's hard for me. I go to the Middle East, and I've been able to travel all over the world. I get invited into homes. I'm shown the most amazing hospitality. I'm I'm totally blessed and served and loved and then I hear that in America that many immigrants come many foreign exchange students come and they never get invited into an American home so what does that show them about the love of Jesus a little goes so far I was walking you just saw Ricky get up on stage we were just on a walk in our neighborhood and and I see this family, and they just look totally lost, father, mother, and child, and, and they have like some papers, and they're trying to stop people on the street. So I just immediately go up to them, and I say, hey, what, what's going on? And they say, no English, no English. And I say, where are you from? They go, Syria. I went, welcome to our country. <laughs> and the guy goes, thank you, thank you. He kept hitting his chest. he's like, thank you, thank you. I said, what do you need? He goes, He's trying to find this thing, so I pull out my phone. Ricky looks at it and goes, it's right there. And, uh, And the guy shakes his hand, shakes my hand, shakes Ricky's hand, shakes my hand again. Thank you, thank you. It was like we gave him a new car. Now, all we did was show him the building one block away. But I wonder how many people have said, welcome to our country. I wonder how many people have said, I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad he's here. You know, our heart is to love, to take care of, to bless immigrants and, and refugees. You know, I, Jesus does this amazing thing next in the story of the Good Samaritan. It's so Jesus-like for him to do this. Uh, he, he does this. He actually takes the person who would be despised or rejected by the Jews that he's talking to and turns and makes him the hero. That's so Christ-like, isn't it? He, he, he takes the Samaritan and makes him the hero in the story. You know, I, I love saying to our, our refugee friends that are a part of this church, our brothers and sisters, they come up to me and we talk afterwards and I say, God's brought you here. Like, you're a gift to us. Like, our nation's in trouble. And so he sent you here as a missionary. And they all go, it, it, it's a secret weapon of the Lord. And in fact, a lot of them I talk to, I'm always asking, please pray for me, because these are our prayer warriors. Like a lot of us grew up in church where we talked about prayer, but we didn't pray. These guys, when they met for church, like some of you, it's a little challenging that we have church for an hour and a half. And once it gets to like past an hour and a half, you're like, hey, you're messing with my football time, right? Right? <laughs> You're you're messing with my fried chicken time, right? These guys are like, why aren't we meeting all day? Like churches, you know, you do two hours of worship and then three hours of prayer. These guys can pray. So I'm like, God, thank you that you brought prayer warriors to be a part of this family to teach us to pray. And and not just that, then I see God's brilliance. I I, I watch our, our different our different youth, our different students, our, our, our different refugees, our different immigrants, and they're walking on the street, because I walk in, in our neighborhood a lot, and I'll see them, and, and I'll see a, a, a believer, a Christian, walking with a person from a different country who's a different background, a Muslim background, a Buddhist background, and they already have the loving friendships to show them the love and kindness and goodness of Jesus. Do you understand God's brilliance? Maybe you don't. Okay, here, here we go. Uh, I mean, I hope you do, but Matthew twenty four fourteen says this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And that word for nations is ethnos. And it means this, simply, Jesus and his goodness is going to be preached to every ethnos, and then the end will come. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for Jesus to return. I, I'm ready for Jesus to return, but you know it's not going to happen until every ethnos is heard. But here's the problem: a lot of nations are hard to get into because they don't want to hear about Jesus, right? Their governments are are not wanting to hear about Jesus, and so God, in His brilliance, says, "Well, then I'm going to bring them to you." <laughs> so they're landing in our cities, and and here here all of a sudden we have this incredible opportunity, and our young people. And our refugees and our immigrants, they're friends with them. They're living next door to them, and they're showing them the love of Jesus. It's this brilliant plan of God. I'm pretty excited about that. So um, let's actually talk about immigration for a minute. Okay, some of your skin's crawling. You're like, oh, my gosh, what's he going to say? It's a very complex issue. This is very complex. In our church are legal immigrants and illegal immigrants. my friends, I have friends that are legal immigrants. I have dear friends and brothers and sisters that are illegal immigrants. I have friends that are border control officers that are believers. I have friends that are politicians that are believers. And they all have. Different thoughts and different opinions, and what should we do? And and in the church, you're seeing all kinds of this Christian saying that, and this Christian, and and then you're seeing all this stuff on social media, just all this talk and all this, all this ranting and raving. Let me just tell you, first and foremost, in regards to immigration, our call is to love all people. Our call is to love the legal immigrant, our call is to love the illegal immigrant our call is to love the law enforcement officers our call is to love the politicians our call is to love the people who have a different political ideology than ours <laughs> because you're both sitting in the room <laughs> I'm your pastor I know that All right. so so here, here's one thing I saw in the in the last two weeks there have been a lot of marches, there have been a lot of protests, and protesting is fine. That is a, a legal right to make your opinion known. But here's what I saw. There's one protest, and in it, Madonna gets up on stage and just goes off. It's the first time the F word's been, been proclaimed on, on live TV. The F word proclaimed, that sounded funny. Um, <laughs> she starts saying, let's blow up the White House. Okay, this is where protesting is wrong. Our anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. And we can protest and we can share our opinion, but when it turns and vilifies other people, and when it starts lashing out on other people, that's where it's wrong. So then the next few days later, I see a Christian stand up at a march, and he says this. He goes, why do we not talk about blowing up Madonna's home? He goes, because Jesus said to love. He goes, and in fact, Jesus even said, love our enemies. And we believe him when he says that. So we love Madonna. We love you, Madonna. He has this this face of compassion and love. And he goes, in fact, and he's talking to tens of thousands of people. He goes, let's pray for Madonna right now. So he says, join with me in praying. And he gets tens of thousands of people to start praying for Madonna. And he starts by saying this, God, we lift up your daughter, Madonna. I thought, that's really funny. Like when you think, when you think about the, you know, like Mary was Madonna, we lift up. Anyway, and, but he goes, we lift up Madonna. She's your daughter. And we pray that she would know the love of Jesus. I thought, that's what the church is supposed to be doing. We want to speak blessing. We want to speak love. We want to pray. We want to have compassion. We want to have compassion. This is what Proverbs 630 says. 'Cause I know there's there's people that you naturally have different feelings about immigration. Let me just say what the Bible says. Proverbs six thirty, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. Jonathan Lair, our our lead pastor down at All People's Tijuana, has talked about all these illegal Haitian immigrants who flooded into Mexico when all their homes got destroyed. And he said they showed up with food and it was almost like a riot. People just trying to get food. Why? Because they're desperate. When people are desperate, they do desperate things. And we as, as believers want to have compassion for them. Now, am I saying then that we shouldn't uphold the law? Absolutely not. Because here's what I'm saying. As believers, this is our call. You as a believer, what is your call? Us as a church, what is our call? We welcome, we love. Legal immigrants, illegal immigrants, we're going to love and serve and bless and bandage and heal. That's the calling of Jesus, right? This is what the Bible says to believers, The Lord your God is the God of all gods and the Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who doesn't play favorites and doesn't take bribes. He enacts justice for orphans and widows and he loves immigrants, giving them food and clothing. That means you must love immigrants because you are immigrants in Egypt. This is our calling as believers. Can I tell you, though, I need to raise you to another level of uh, spiritual sophistication for a minute and just tell you, do you know that the the role of an individual believer is different than the role of government? This is what we hold in our hand as believers. What's this? It's a gavel used in courts to uphold law. So let me, let me just explain what I'm saying here from the New Testament. This is what the New Testament says, Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. You go, whoa, 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 Robert, you don't know our authorities now or our leaders now. No, this was written in a time of non-Christian authorities. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what's good and you'll receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. You see the difference here? It's saying believers, we are called to bear the basin and the towel, to bear the oil and and the wine, to heal. But he said the government, they actually are called to to bear a, a sword. And for it's a servant of God, an adventurer who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. He's saying the role of government is actually justice. Let me help you understand this for a minute. The government is called by scripture to protect the citizens of its country. So, Is it wrong for a government to vet people coming into its country? Now, listen very carefully. I'm not saying I agree with all that's going on. But I am saying, is it okay for a government to look at who's coming into its country? Well, let me give you this illustration. As a father, people knock on my door all the time. Is it wrong for me to ask who's there and to try to discern whether they have good motives or bad? No, that that's wisdom. Because my calling is to protect my children. And I have people in my house all the time, but I want to, by the best I can, to discern what their intent is. So is it wrong? Some some people in in thinking about this compassion, and we want to have compassion as individual believers and as churches, we're gonna accept and love everyone. But they're saying "The, the, the government has to do that. We should have no boundaries, we should have no borders. Do you know that the Bible actually says it's God, who established borders of nations? I don't have time to read all these verses, but I just want you to write them down in case you're intrigued by this. Deuteronomy thirty-two eight, He set the, the boundaries of the people. Acts seventeen twenty-six, God set up boundaries. Nehemiah nine twenty-two, You allotted them as boundaries. Borders aren't wrong. So so then how do we deal with this combination of my personal and our church compassion and the government's protection and called to, to be a protector of the people? Let me just give you a quick illustration of something that happened to me. Three months ago, I was burglarized. My home was burglarized. The sheriffs discerned that it was Illegal immigrants who burglarized us. Why do they say that? Well, because all they took were my kids' passports and our century cards, a flashlight, and they picked up a travel vest. Left computers, left all kinds of valuables. Now, what do I think about illegal immigrants? I love illegal immigrants. There's no frustration. There's no pain in my heart. I'm going to serve. I'm going to love. And I mean it with all my heart. But when the authorities showed up, they pulled out their guns to walk through the house. Why? Because they wanted to protect my wife and kids who were there alone. Do you understand the difference? I'm so glad that they didn't show up and say, hey, just forgive and just go back in your house. And that's not what the authorities said. But for me, I forgive, I bless I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna give more. Why? Because that's my calling as a believer. Are you following me? So then you say, but our government's broken. And I wanna say, yes, the, the immigration policies have been broken. Here's what I mean I have good friends that are illegal immigrants that I'm praying for, breakthrough for. They, they were brought in as little children. And they've been trying, they're they're hardworking, they've been to high school, they got jobs, they're trying to get their citizenship and it's not happening. And then, I'm talking to my border control friends and they said, Robert, we're picking up people that are coming illegally into this country, bringing drugs, but because our government wouldn't prosecute them, we're having to release those people free on the streets. Like, what, what is wrong here? So what do we do as believers? Here's what we do. I'm glad you asked. First, Timothy, <laughs> two. Listen to this. I urge, then, first of all, that petition the petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Our calling. In regards to government, our first calling is to pray. Pray for our leaders. We've got to pray whether you like them or not. Whether you like Governor Brown or not, we're called to pray for him. Whether you like Donald Trump or not, we're called to pray for him. Why? Because we as believers have this authority and this responsibility to pray on earth as it is in heaven. We call down the atmosphere of heaven around our leaders. And I don't know about you, but when I'm walking in the presence of God and in the joy of God, I make a lot better decisions than when I'm just angry. (laughs) So, So we have the responsibility to pray for them. Why? So that when they're going, God, what should I do? This is a mess. That the presence of heaven is around them, and they go, Where did that thought come from? It came from the heavenly realm. Because what happens if we don't pray? Then they're just left on their own. And they have to just, maybe they hear from a bad advisor. Or or maybe even worse, they pull something from a demonic voice. And they put that into action. But it's our authority to call down heaven on our leaders. And so they make righteous decisions balancing compassion and protection secondly we don't curse them we don't criticize we don't judge why because the Bible says judge not or you'll be judged who wants more judgment in their life (laughs) not me the Bible says you'll reap what you sow who wants to be criticized more well then you just keep criticizing your authorities Because the Bible says you'll reap what you sow. (laughs) I don't want that. So what do we do? When it comes to our authorities, when it comes to our government leaders, we pray and we speak blessing on them. And then we watch them start aligning their lives with the atmosphere of heaven and the word of God. You know, uh, this week, there, there were all kinds of situations going on, and, and all of a sudden we started seeing on the news that there were even uh, protests going on at the airport and I want Kendall to come and share what happened when he felt God telling him to engage in this.
1: Hello hello all right, so Sunday night, I was a little tired from something we do called World Mandate around here, <laughs> um, but I was on my phone and and, and, I, and I saw that there was a protest gathering at the San Diego airport and I thought, is that really you, God? <laughs> I called Robert, he said, yes, that's God, just bring a friend with you. So Mitsu and I went out, stand up and wave at everybody, Mitsu, so they know who you are. So Sunday night, Mitsu and I went out to the airport to bring hope and healing to people in Jesus' name in the midst of the protest. So here's a few things that we learned. First of all, okay, I'm a pastor, I know numbers. Numbers of people, crowds, and the news was reporting five thousand people were there. First of all, I just want you to know that's not true. There were five hundred people there. So uh, several news sources said that. So the things that you're seeing, you you really need to pray and ask God for wisdom about what's really going on in our society. Okay. Here's the second thing we saw. Meets and I were on the on the drive praying out there, and we felt like God was telling us there were going to be signs people that were holding up that were going to create conversations. It was amazing to see how many people's signs had the name of Jesus on them? You know, Jesus thinks this, here's this Bible verse, Jesus, whatever, even just maybe things really unholy or shouldn't be said, but there was just things, Jesus' name was everywhere. And it created us an opportunity to really approach people and say, hey, what do you think Jesus thinks about this? People didn't even really know. Most of them didn't even know the Lord, but they just knew that Jesus had something to do with this and they should put his name on a sign. Here's another thing we saw. It's just a big opportunity for us to clarify that. Another thing we saw was God was moving supernaturally. You know, just as we went, we were believing God just to give us words for people. And as we walked by this guy, I I really felt that something was wrong with his right side. So the Holy Spirit was sharing that with my heart. So we just turned him next to him. We were just walking in the line with the protesters and said, hey, do you have some pain? Do you have a physical problem on your side? And he had just received a right lung replacement and he had six holes in his side is what he told us. But he said, but I'm an atheist. (laughs) His brother is an evangelical pastor, so he kind of knew God was trying to get him. But um, so we shared with him. And, you you know, the the next thing we saw is that God really honored our boldness. Uh, As we were sharing with people, we we looked and this camera was pointed right out at us with this news crew. And so we said, hey, we have a story. Can we share it to you? So they said, absolutely. So, you know, they they put the boom mic up and they're getting us positioned. And I said, well, what story would you like to share? And I said, the Holy Spirit gave us a word of knowledge for someone tonight. And I wanted to tell you about it. And so we start telling them the story of God speaking to us and us ministering to this guy. And the interviewer was just kind of dumbfounded. And uh, he said, so it's about all religions coming together, right? And I said, Absolutely. Jesus Christ is hope for all humanity. So, um, you know, the last thing I saw was kind of a prophetic picture that the church is supposed to be in the middle of this conversation, not on the outside. We, we went to a, a police officer and just asked her, hey, who can we really pray for here? Who needs the most ministry? She highlighted this group of kind of radical looking people with megaphones. And as we walked up, man, there were people from every color and creed, communists, uh, people from different Islamic groups. I mean, it was just a very interesting scene. A lot of fear was being shared, a lot of anger. And then they all sat down, waiting for some lady named Norma. But anyway, uh, Norma never came, and we noticed the megaphone was just kind of not being used. And so uh, we got permission, and, and, and we prayed over this crowd, hope and healing in Jesus' name. And, you know, just when we said the name of Jesus over this crowd, you could just feel it like shockwaves and different people started talking and everything started happening. But that's a prophetic picture of what we're supposed to be at the church in the middle of this conversation, bringing hope and healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Let's give the Lord glory. Let's stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and go to your,
0: get to your feet. And um, can we just do this? I just feel this in my heart right now. If you are an immigrant or a refugee or you're the child of an immigrant, that would be your parents came here from a different country. If that's you, you're an immigrant, a refugee, or you're a child of an immigrant, would you just raise your hand right now? (laughs) All right, okay, so let's just do this. You just keep your hands up right now. The rest of us, if you would just put your hand on one of these guys' shoulders, or if you're in the middle and you can't find one, you just extend your hands towards them And would you just start praying blessing? Would you start praying favor? Would you start praying God's crazy love on them and that God would use them? I don't know, a third of this room. So we just want to pray blessing. And Lord, we thank you. And Lord, we know that actually all of us, except the the First Nations people, are immigrants in this country. And so we thank you that you are doing something amazing here. And we speak blessing to every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue in this room. And we say, we want you here. And we want you to be blessed with the love of God. And we want you to prosper. And we want you to be used by God in tremendous ways. And everyone said together, amen.